0: Well, um, I'm going to pray first before we look at the passage together, Uh, Matthew chapter 8. Father, we give you great praise uh, for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that um, we have come to know him. And we pray uh, that this lunchtime, as we listen to his words, might we be those who are humble, who are contrite in spirit, and who tremble at his word. We ask this in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. So the passage is Matthew 8, starting at verse 18. And that's on page 813 in your Bible. 813. So Matthew 8, starting at verse 18. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, teacher. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Ryan, thanks very much for reading the passage.
0: Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Well, my assumption is for most of us here at this lunchtime talk, most of you would call yourself followers of Jesus, or at least you want to follow him. And after all, like who, who wouldn't want to follow him? If you look at evidence, Jesus, I guess many of us would say he's the most incredible person there is. His character, his kindness, his compassion, his courage, but more than that, his offer, uh, the offer of life, life to the full. And it's no surprise that worldwide, globally speaking, um, most people in this world, 30 percent, will call themselves Christian. 2.4 billion people follow Jesus. But you might say um, that's perhaps a bit tone deaf to so- the society we're in, and because society, um, at least in the West, is trending the opposite direction. But here's my suspicion that as society charts a path in the absence of God, many will eventually find life to be empty and void. And then they'll be looking for answers, someone to follow, and they will find out that there is no one better to follow than Jesus. And if you really invest the time to know him, there's simply no one better to follow. And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, I want to say that you're definitely ahead of the curve. But here's My aim this lunchtime, specifically if you're someone who would identify yourself as a keen follower of Jesus, my aim today is to say stop, to stop you for a moment. My encouragement to you today is to pause, to ask yourself if you are sure. Are you really sure you want to follow him? My aim is to prevent you from becoming a Christian too easily, too quickly. Are you really sure You want to be a follower of Jesus. You see, because there are situations that we can find ourselves in that is perhaps more convenient to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, You might be from a Christian family, your parents and siblings who are Christian. Maybe the community they're in uh, makes it bizarrely convenient to be a Christian. Uh, Something about being a Christian maybe makes life much better and convenient now. And if that's you, I want to say, pause, stop for a moment, and ask yourself, are you sure? Are you really sure you want to follow Jesus? Because what we'll see today is that following Jesus, well, it means giving up comfort and it means leaving the world behind. So, are you, are you really sure? Well, we are uh, in Matthew's gospel. We have been over the past few weeks uh, in this series of hours. And in Matthew's gospel, many people actually want to follow him. You need to imagine the crowds in Covent Garden. Hundreds of thousands of people flocking there. The tourists, they stop going to the shops and they want to catch a glimpse of this man. The officers, people pour out of the office. The office rooms are all empty because they want to see this man called Jesus. Why? Well, because um, he's there. He's teaching. Well, cuts to the chase. Cuts to the heart. Um, He's healing. He heals many people. There is no one like him. Some will call it A revival. What does Jesus do when he sees the hundreds of thousands of people in front of him? He does whatever a good, sensible pastor would do. He starts his mega church or his mega lunchtime talk. He hires a worship team, a welcome team, an events team, a marketing team. No, that's what he does not do. Instead, he turns and he leaves the crowd. And he gets onto the boat to go to the other side. Look at verse 18 of a passage. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. I mean, it's very striking what Jesus is doing. He sees the crowd and he turns away. He turns away to the other side. Why? Well, it turns out that he's not really interested in uh, messing, uh, creating a crowd. And so I think he steps onto a boat to force a selection. Who will follow him? From the crowd. Will you follow him?
1: And so, who turns out on the
0: scene? Well, the first guy we have is a scribe. You might, be, you might not be sure who scribes are. Um, technically, they are the first century equivalents of human copying machines, but they are also moral influencers today. I think about a moral influencer on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm um, giving out propaganda or good teachings about what it means to be a moral person, to go green, or that renewables is the future that is your current equivalent of the scribe and this man he he comes to jesus and look at what he says to jesus look at verse 19 and the scribe came up to him and said teacher i will follow you wherever you go but in response what does jesus say to him jesus says stop just stop are you sure you want to follow me?" You see, because following me means giving up a comfortable life. Verse 20, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere, has nowhere to lay his head. And if you're following the handout, we're on our first point. Following Jesus means giving up comforts in life. But before we drill in into Jesus' reply, uh, what do we make about what the scribe uh, is saying? Uh, Verse 19, I will follow you, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Uh, Do you think he's good or is he bad? Some suggest he is maybe not very good because he calls Jesus teacher. All the other characters in Matthew, they call him Lord. But, well, personally, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's a bit ambiguous, perhaps. Um, remember describe he is the the moral uh, influence of the day and to call someone a teacher is recognizing his authority but more than that imagine this a crowd and he's the first one to make a public declaration to follow jesus lord i will follow you wherever you go uh, this idea of public declaration reminds me of my colleague uh, back then when i was working uh, in the corporate world um, let's call him ben and he was a really keen c- christian and uh, he knew I was a Christian as well, so he suggested for us to meet up to read a book, a Christian book on work together. And then he suggested for, for us to start a workplace Bible study group together. Uh, there's this incident that um, after work, we all went down to the pub together. Uh, was ben as there well, as well, and myself included. And then the manager asked us and said, uh, why don't we go around to share what is our passion in life? It's a bit cheesy, I know, but that's just what happened. And so one by one, uh, everyone went around sharing. And when he came to Ben, can you can you imagine what Ben said? He said, my passion in life is to glorify God. In front of everyone, okay. I mean, very striking. Uh, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Reminds me of another friend uh, called Bella. Um, Bella, uh, she left her management consulting job uh, to go and work in full-time paid ministry with uni students uh, to work in a Christian union. Uh, to teach them the Bible. Uh, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But what does Jesus say to the scribe, say to my friend Ben, say to Bella, or say to you? He says, stop, stop. Are you really sure you want to follow me? Verse 20 again. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the son of man, has nowhere to lay his head. Do you notice there are two corrections that Jesus is correcting this, this scribe, this well-meaning scribe. Firstly, he's not a teacher, but he's the son of man. A son of man is a title that comes right up of Daniel chapter 7. It's a prophecy about a man with a title called the son of man who receives the rule and authority of the kingdoms from God. And so the correction there is not just a teacher, but he is a king, and you jolly well follow him. But the biggest surprise is that Jesus, he doesn't stop there, that he is a king, the son of man. He says, for the son of man, he has nowhere to lay his head. There's no rest for the son of man, no comfort, only tribulation. Uh, It's really striking the contrast. Uh, The birds of the air, they have somewhere to rest. The foxes have holes to rest. But the Son of Man, who rules the entire world, has no place of rest. There's only suffering, tribulation, and adversity. No dream home with a garden in the countryside. Not even a pillow to lay his head. You see, following Jesus, it means giving up comforts in this life. So are you sure? Are you sure you want to follow him? See, for a majority of Christians worldwide, the decision is really upfront. I have a good friend living in northern Nigeria, and it's common for Christians to get to be killed for being Christians. And often he sends me pictures of Christians being shot or laying on the ground. And so it's not a comfortable life. And it's less important about how you start. The question is, how will you end? Ben, my colleague, which I was mentioning to you before, a few months into the job, he started dating a non-Christian colleague. Uh, she was an atheist. Soon he lost his faith and he eventually fell away. Abella, she stopped working in the Christian union, went on to be extremely successful with her husband, started a company and was you know, doing really well. She's probably still a Christian, but when she was sharing with me recently, she said, you know, the truth is, I'm not sure if I can give up my current lifestyle. So are you sure? Are you sure you want to follow him? Well, see, today I think the main cause of discomfort um, is the tribulation at work. And I think the big thing on the table, the elephant in the room, is a stance on LGBTQI issues. And so will you be willing to bear the discomfort of not wearing the lanyard or distancing yourself from the Pride events? Will you be willing to take um, a hit on your promotions or even your job? If you were to follow Jesus. And let's just be clear. Um, Jesus' teaching here is not in doubt. Um, he himself um, understands marriage according to the Genesis model. I flip to chapter 19 in Matthew's gospel, just to show you, Matthew chapter 19. And the context of that discussion here is a discussion about divorce. That's the presenting context where the Pharisees question him about divorce. But when he answers them, he affirms. Um, the Genesis design of marriage, Genesis 19, verse 4. He, that's Jesus, answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, two genders? Verse 5. And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and two shall become one flesh. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Um, it's clear that marriage between male and female, two genders. And if you believe that today, uh, you'll come up into much tribulation at work and in society. So following Jesus, what it means, a cost of reputation, perhaps promotion, been called old-fashioned, bigoted, or maybe even evil. So are you sure? Are you sure you want to follow him? You might have read in the news um, that the SNP. Contender, Katie Forbes, um, stood up and spoke quite openly about her views on marriage um, and has experienced a real backlash <laughs> for expressing those views. And you've got to give her real credit, that's real courage, and the prayers for her to keep holding on to this truth. So Jesus says, Foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere, nowhere to lay his head. Well, how does the scribe respond? Well, We're not sure. Um, he's a moral influencer. Maybe he couldn't accept uh, the fact that he would lose his life of comfort. And maybe he walked away. And Jesus, he, um, he's getting ready to go back into the boat. And then another man turns up. And this time, things seem more promising because this guy, he's called a disciple. I look down to verse 21. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. What does Jesus reply? Well, follow me and leave the world behind. So you're following the handout, we are second point. Following Jesus, well, it means leaving the world behind. Again, before we jump into Jesus' answer, let's look at uh, what the disciple says. He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. What do we make of his request? What do you think? Well, I want to suggest, uh, I don't think his, his father just passed away. If, he, if that happened, he would probably be at home preparing for the funeral. More likely, what he's saying is that let me stay with my elderly father till his death. And let me take care of him. And this request that this man is giving is totally appropriate. Appropriate. Think about Jewish culture, or even many cultures here today, that to be filial to your parents is of highest priority. It is the most responsible thing you can do to honor your father and mother. I guess you might see similar sort of requests in the city to do something first before you follow Jesus. And some of it, there are really, really good things. You might say, Lord, let me first get stable at work. Then I will follow you. Or you might say, Lord, let me get that role that I've been working for. Then I will follow you. I will only give more to you when I start earning more. Or Lord, let me first manage the kid's education. Then I will follow you. I promise, Lord, I will come back to you. Maybe for you, it's something else, something you need to do first before wholly following the Lord Jesus. Maybe it's a relationship or some form of experience. And like the disciple, we expect Jesus to to command us and to wait for us. Stay there, Jesus. Don't go anywhere. I promise I'll be back. And so the disciple, he turns back, ready to walk away. What does Jesus say? Stop. It doesn't work that way. Don't turn back. You need to follow me now. Verse 22, follow me and leave the dead to bury thy own dead. Follow me, Jesus says. Follow me now. The second bit of what Jesus is saying, to leave the dead to bury their own dead, what does it mean? It's a bit confusing, perhaps. Um, It seems to Jesus, what he seems to be saying is that he is categorizing his father to be part of the dead, leave the dead to bury their dead. And you know what's going on here? Uh, if you hear here last week, uh, we saw that in this section of Matthew, there are uh, the two spheres going on. Uh, if you like, the first sphere is called the kingdom of heaven. Um, as Jesus comes as the king, he brings heaven, if you like, coming down. The second sphere is the kingdom of earth. And when Jesus comes, it's as if two spheres are colliding together, heaven and earth. And so when Jesus arrives, he brings the kingdom of heaven, which represents Life and it comes into contact with the kingdom on earth, which represents death, decay, and illness. So when Jesus says, Leave the dead uh, to bury their own dead, I think he's suggesting to leave this world, uh, the realm of the dead, behind. And so the command to follow Jesus is not let me first sort out my family, my career, or my comfort, but to follow me and leave the wall behind to leave even a good thing it's a really good thing to care for an elderly father but to follow me above all else follow me now jesus says and so it's worth asking ourselves this question is there one thing that you want to do first before wholeheartedly following jesus what well, jesus would say to you well follow me follow me now and leave the world behind. And so that's the big thrust for today. To ask ourselves, are you sure, are you very sure you want to follow him? Because following him, it will mean giving up comforts in life. It would mean leaving the world behind. Well, let me nuance the point. Um, it's true that following Jesus is not always uncomfortable. Um, later on in uh, in Matthew's Gospel, uh, there's real joy in following Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Somehow, following Jesus, you will receive rest. And it's also true that it is right to enjoy God's good gifts of money and family he has given to us. So let me nuance the point. But it's also true that fundamentally, a follower of Jesus has first to decide to die to self To give himself wholly to following Jesus. The follower of Jesus has to first decide to die to self at the cost of comfort and the cost of this world. And so it's for all of us to be absolutely sure that we want to follow him. Well, as I was reading this passage, it was really challenging for me to think about these things. And speaking personally for a moment, these were questions I need to ask myself. And often I've been in your position and I'm standing and looking at a preacher there and I'm often thinking, yeah, this is a guy who has given up stuff to follow Jesus. And it's true, there is a cost um, you know, for me to, to leave a corporate job. Uh, but then again, it's not as if I leave, live a particularly uncomfortable life. I still have a pillow to rest my head. But the challenge to me is that, am I willing to give up the comforts I have? Am I li- willing to leave the world behind? Because it's possible to be in full-time paid ministry, and to still love the world. Some of you may have heard of the Cambridge Seven. Um, It's a book that I read over Christmas. Um, It's a story about seven uh, guys from Cambridge back in the 19th century. Um, They all came from really posh backgrounds, aristocratic families, and they were all determined to go to China to preach the gospel to people in China. One of the most famous guys who was part of Cambridge Seven was C.T. Studd. Uh, back in the day, he was known as England's best cricketer. And he gave up his career in cricket to go to the gospel, to preach the gospel to people in China. And I was reading this book in Christmas just to remind myself to thread really lightly on this earth. Let me read a couple of excerpts for you. Well, the, the wholehearted devotion of the seven, uh, the call of Christ, their intolerance to shoddy spir- spirituality in themselves and others, and their grasp of the urgency of the gospel to unevangelized millions overseas. Now, the particular relevance um, of this story was not one of the seven, was a genius. And their story was a story of ordinary men and thus may be repeated not only in the countries of the West but in lands which were the mission fields of a century ago but now send missionaries themselves. The gospel of Christ is unchanged. His call is unchanged. The Cambridge servant illustrated how the call may be heard. It's a call to lift up your eyes to see the harvest, for they are white, ready to be harvested. It's a call for dedication. Above all, it's a call to the consecration of the whole man as a prelude to fruitful service. And then he writes, God does not deal with you until you are wholly given up to him. And then he would tell you what he would have you to do. God does not deal with you until you're wholly given to him. You see, the call is to wholeheartedly follow him. Jesus, he is Lord of all or not at all. That's for you. And that's also for me. So before we head back to the office, our two last encouragements. Don't be hasty. I don't let this word... Um, from Jesus' go before you go back to the office, or stop and think, if following Jesus would cost you your career, your reputation, and maybe the hardest thing, your comfort, will you still be following him? And it's in in his great kindness that he warns all of us in advance. So don't be hasty. But don't hesitate. If you know him, if you know who he is, and what he has done for you, do not say, let me first. Leave the world to follow him. Don't be hasty and don't hesitate. So Jesus says to you and to me, follow me. Well, 12 disciples actually followed him and what was the experience? As they followed him into the boat, well, a great storm arose. Jesus, he found a place to lay his head. It was in a boat in the midst of of a stormy sea, following Jesus, where well, it looks like death. But then something extraordinary happens in the storm at sea. But if you want to find out what happens, you need to come back next week. Why don't I pray for our time? Foxes have holes, The birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Father, we give you praise for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that um, he is the one who has taken our sin, bore our transgressions, and so it's right to follow him. And we do pray for real courage in each and every one of us to follow him wholeheartedly. We think about as we head back to the office with the challenges we might face being a Christian, please give us real resolve and, and determination to follow him and our Lord. And we
1: ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.